You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So we're here for the second of our two-a-days. If you haven't heard the other podcast, please be sure to go back and check it out. I talked about the Mike Patton interview and my thoughts on that. And today I want to just talk about some of the news that's come out recently, primarily stuff about what's going on with OTAs and what we can uh, figure out from that. As I've said before, this is a uh, vacation podcast, so it's going to be a little shorter than you're used to. But I want to at least make sure that I'm staying as close to on schedule as I can, um, not just for the sake of, of my own pride trying to keep one episode a day average, but also because I don't want to fall into a slump of thinking that it's fine to not do the work, because I need to be doing it. But anyways, we are going to skip the, um, the preliminaries, as I've said. Please be sure to check out the uh, description below. There's a lot of links in there for you. But uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll jump back into the news. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So the first thing I started seeing on Twitter during these, uh, these workout sessions was who's starting which is kind of interesting because it gives us an idea of kind of who goes where and when and why and maybe what we're going to see in the regular season. And the one that kind of stood out, not that it's really a big surprise, but is, is nice to actually see it, is that Billy Turner's starting out at right guard. Now, there was a question of, you know, it's, it's, it's not as though it's solidified, but could he have been a left guard? Could he have possibly been pushing for right tackle? I think if, if they were planning on him taking Balaga's spot, which is a long shot anyways, but it was a question mark, they would need a lot of information and just pushing him into the guard spot right away, you know, kind of gives us an idea of what we have to look forward to. And that's good, too, because, you know, losing Balaga is, is us moving backwards. It has to happen eventually. It's likely going to happen next year. But if we're just focused on 2019, which I am at this particular point in time, we need to keep Balaga. There is no better situation at right tackle either on the team or elsewhere, that's going to be better than Brian Balaga at right tackle. Um, other things um, that were said, and I, you know, I don't exactly know how they figure first team. Maybe it's just the guys who go out there first, you know, and maybe it's just a seniority thing. Again, I don't know how solidified this is, but Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, Zadarius, and Preston Smith all out there with the ones. In other words, if the season were today, we would have Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage at safety, Billy Turner at right guard, Preston and Zadarius would be the starting pass rushers. Now, 
The other things to take note of from this are the omissions. For example, nobody mentioned Elton Jenkins, meaning the starting offensive line presumably would be Bakhtiari, Lane Taylor, Corey Lindsley, Billy Turner, and then Brian Balaga. Now, I still fully expect Elton Jenkins to win that job, but I, I tend to think the way teams do this, and McCarthy did this a lot, was you're primarily going with seniority, and then you're looking at the draft picks. It's, it's somewhat of a respect thing, I think. At least that's how I felt McCarthy handled it. I'm not necessarily sure that Petten and LaFleur are handling it the same way. But the reason I think of it that way is that typically you're going to, first of all, give the spot to the guys that were already here. The exception to that would be the very obvious exceptions to where the person that was at that position before has no chance. As much as they want to give lip service about everybody has an opportunity and all that stuff, no way. There was nobody at right guard that is going to continue to be a right guard. The question is, who are we going to put at right guard over them? Well, it was either going to be Billy Turner or Elton Jenkins, and I think Billy Turner being the the amount of money that he was given, being a veteran football player, they're going to put him in. I think everybody expects Elton Jenkins to eventually take over, but you don't, on day one, take, you know, you don't take Lane Taylor off his spot and put Elton Jenkins in there with the ones. You just don't do that. Similarly with safety, assuming we're moving Tremont to corner, which is my understanding, as a matter of fact, I believe he was running with the ones, which would mean that, start. you know, if we were talking today, it's Jair and Tremont, which is the way I want it to be. I know everybody wants it to be Kevin King and, and Jair, possibly Josh Jackson, but I, I think it needs to be Tremont because I think he's the best cornerback that we have. Hopefully that changes this year because that's not a long-term solution to anything, but I think as of my understanding as of last year, that was the best duo that we had. And the only reason we moved Tremont is because we had to. But again, similarly, there's nobody that was playing safety last year that um, would be seen, I guess, as disrespectful. Darnell and Amos are the guys, and that's it. There's just no question about that. And I don't think there's really any objection to that. You know, Raven Green might not like it, but um, nobody cares <laughs> outside of Raven Green. Josh Jones obviously didn't like it, but and I think, you know, he knew too. And that was part of the problem. He knew that even though it was kind of his turn, he, w he would not have been running with the ones. Um, the only one that maybe is kind of iffy is Rashawn Gary. But I think with him being a rookie, again, primarily you're going with seniority, right? These are, Zadarius and Preston are, are veteran guys. They're big money guys now, right? So, you know, you pay big money. They need to be on the field. And also, Rashawn, he's still learning. He's still kind of getting into the groove, and, and giving him the spot over a guy like Zadarius Smith or even Preston Smith, that's just not how that's going to go. Now, essentially what it actually is is a trio. But again, as far as, you know, it, it's, it's not something you look at and go, oh, great, we drafted this guy, and he's already third on the depth chart. Well, maybe, but that, that's just a weird way to look at it. We have a trio. Um, other notes that I saw from this particular tweet, Latrell Jamerson from the Badgers is lining up at safety. Kevin King was practicing but has not taken part in any team drills. Presumably, it's still an injury thing. I know he was injured earlier on in the season or at least recovering from a surgery. So, you know, again, this this thing just keeps on happening where, you know, we, we start back up again. How's everybody doing? Everybody's fine with the exception of Kevin King who's got shoulder issues. Like, oh, okay. Um, in a separate tweet that I had seen, and it, it well, never mind, I'll leave that alone. Uh, I was a little more in-depth. It had Martinez and Burke starting at linebacker, which makes sense. I mean, it, it sounds like, and it, you know, again, you're trying to read between the lines as far as how much is, is just 
propping up guys because they're your guys and how much is actually real. I get the impression that the team actually is very high on Oren Burks. Um, I'll talk about it a little more tomorrow, at least that's the plan. You get the distinct impression that the team does not really like Josh Jones, and I'm, I'm not just talking about Mike Pettin, which was my theory going in, but w- when I was listening to a coach talk about him, um, you know, as best as I can read between the lines, it just it does not sound like they feel there's anything there. I get the exact opposite impression with Oren Burks, and you know, a lot of times it's just it's it's body language, it's the way they kind of light up, you know, do they have to think real hard and then kind of you know. Whatever, but no, it, it sounds like they genuinely like Oren Burks. It's just a matter of we got to get him, uh, you know, a little bit more on the right page and, and getting him to process things a little bit quicker. But um, I, I might do a podcast on, you know, breakout candidates, which is a little silly. But if I did, I, spoiler alert, Oren Burks would be pretty high on that list, especially considering how terrible he was last year. It's not that hard for him to take the biggest jump of the group. And then the starting defensive line was uh, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, and Montrevious Adams. Obviously, the odd man out there is Mike Daniels, which brings us to uh, the next piece of information. Here's a list of guys not practicing at OTAs. Number one is Devontae Adams. Secondly is Josh Jones, for obvious reasons. Running back Trey Carson, linebacker Greg Roberts, uh, defensive end Mike Daniels, tight end Mercedes Lewis. Now, these are voluntary workouts, which is relevant because two of these guys are there. The rest of them apparently are not. Uh, Trey Carson is present. Mike Daniels is present. The question is, why aren't they practicing? Now, there's speculation in the comments section that Mike Daniels got leapfrogged. I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense because he'd still be practicing. Just because you're not with the ones doesn't mean you're not doing anything. It would be relevant, and I'm assuming would be massive news that would be all over Packers' Twitterverse and uh, everything else if Mike Daniels was running with the twos or whatever. He's not practicing, so illness, injury, whatever. Um, I do find it pretty strange and not super comforting. I know some people think it doesn't matter, and even one of the coaches talked about, you know, it's not a big deal. I'm not going to get down on a guy who doesn't show up if it's voluntary. Put me in the camp of people that thinks it's important that you be there for voluntary workouts. I, I, I don't care if it's voluntary. Right, saying please and thank you is voluntary. A lot of things in life are voluntary, but there's still a right thing to do. And I think the right thing to do when you have a team that is practicing together, when you have a brand new coach and you're learning installs and you have all these different things that you're trying to do and trying to learn how to work together with a group of, of your teammates and you decide, nah, not showing up, I kind of think that's a big deal. I don't know the situation with Mercedes Lewis, Greg Roberts, and Devontae Adams. Greg Roberts, I... I I have no idea what his situation is. I would have to assume it's not him choosing not to show up, and maybe it's not with Devontae or Mercedes too. Maybe something else came up. I don't know. But at least with Mercedes Lewis and Devontae Adams, they're probably not going anywhere. I mean, Devontae for sure, Mercedes probably not. But Greg Roberts? I mean, the guy's got what, like a 4% chance of making the team, and you're not going to show up to voluntary workouts? There's got to be something else. Otherwise, he's basically cut today. But yeah, I mean, if, if it's a matter of, and I know some players do it, they're like, look, I'd, I'd rather be working out here. I got this great, you know, group of people that are helping me to develop this, that, or the other, and I want to be able to do that. And, you know, you get the, the one-on-one because you're paying a bunch of money for the private lessons and everything else. So there's probably some benefit, but I, I just, I don't care. And there are, you know, I'm, I'm assuming it's a CBA thing, this the voluntary workouts, whatever. But I would make it very clear as a head coach, I have an expectation that you will be there for voluntary workouts. I can't force you to be there, 
but I expect you to be there. So, again, I'm not going to keep coming down because I don't know, maybe there are extenuating circumstances, but I don't like that. Just flat out saying I'm not going to be there with the team. I'm not going to be there with my coaches. I'm not going to be in the building. I'm not going to be working out with Aaron Rodgers, with the other wide receiver, you know, because I don't have to. I, I don't care if you don't have to. It's a lot of things I don't have to do. It's not a matter of have to. It's a matter of should. And every single one of these players should be there. Now, regarding Devontae Adams, again, I did say that there were maybe possibly some other extenuating circumstances. That's why I don't want to hammer it too much. Apparently, Devontae is in Green Bay. So, again, it's it's pretty unlikely that he's just off somewhere doing whatever. Or maybe he's got, you know, some kind of personal training thing in Green Bay so that he can still be kind of close to the team. I don't know. I don't know the situation. I'm just saying in general. I'm not coming down necessarily on any one of these particular guys. I'm just saying in general, I don't like that attitude. Um, kind of just no real segue here. I haven't gotten to the player interviews, like locker room interviews. I'm going to be getting to that eventually. But apparently one of the comments from Aaron Rodgers is that he really likes Billy Turner, which is great news. Now, and, and this is, it's important because every time something like this happens, and I'm, I'm going to mention this again when we talk about Mike Smith and what he had to say about Rashawn Gary, but there's always somebody that pipes up and says something to the effect of, well, what do you expect him to say? Nothing is the answer. Right, this is a guy who stepped in at right guard. He's taking somebody else's job. McCray spent, you know, a good portion of the year. Byron Bell spent a good portion of the year protecting Aaron Rodgers. McCray is fighting real hard to maintain that position. I think, as I said, he did get better over time. Billy Turner takes his job day one, and then your quarterback steps up and says, "The guy I really like is Billy Turner." I don't think Aaron Rodgers does that lightly, and I don't think he's being dishonest. I think sometimes we we take the the quote-unquote coach speak too far and we assume everything somebody says is a lie i think if you're asked an open-ended question which it sounds like this is you know who who's caught your eye or whatever the question might have been and he highlights one person and it's billy turner i think that's worth listening to he could have said anybody billy turner is one of the more controversial answers he could have just said bakhtiari unless he's talking about the new again i don't know the question but there's a lot of easy throwaway lines. I think everybody has a different element. I think every, you know, whatever. So that you don't have to highlight somebody in the midst of a, a, a competition. He chose to highlight somebody that he feels is doing a really, really good job. So I take that as being an entirely truthful answer. Now, it, it's it's a throwaway to the extent that what he's not saying is this guy's going to be a really good right guard because we don't know that yet. We haven't seen what he does in pass. He's talking more about his demeanor and his attitude and all that kind of stuff. But it's still not a throwaway. It's not a nothing line. It's a very, very good thing. Again, no real segue, not really going in any particular order, but I did find it very interesting. Apparently, the Packers were one of four or five teams that put a claim on tight end Jordan Leggett. I find that interesting for a few different reasons. The the, the very first thought that comes to mind is the Packers don't feel like this tight end group is a finished product. Whether it's that they... You know, I, I, I would agree from that with that from the standpoint of, again, Mercedes Lewis and Jimmy Graham are not long-term solutions. If we remove them from the equation, who do we have left? Now, we could just leave it at that and say that that's all we were looking at. Jordan is a 24-year-old guy, so we bring him in as more of a long-term solution to help round out this group outside of the guys we already have, you know, looking into the future. The other thought that I can't seem to purge from my mind is the fact that Mercedes Lewis didn't show up. Again, maybe it's nothing. Could just be a long-term thing. Maybe they took a flyer. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of guys that the, the Packers like, and there's probably flagged guys out there, meaning when they become available, it's like, ooh, there he is. Let's see if we can get him. But for whatever reason, we know now that the Packers are not 
finished building out this tight end room, which is the right thing. To, even if Jay Sternberger is an awesome tight end, we still need more because he's kind of it. And that's not really good enough. So we'll, we'll see how that materializes. Um, I'm still hopeful that Mercedes is going to show up and he's going to have that bounce back that I, I hope both of our veteran tight ends have. Again, I don't expect, you know, premium uh, production from them, but I do expect some sort of a bounce back. But um, the only other little bit of news that uh, isn't going to be talked about at another time is the fact that the Packers are officially heading to Winnipeg, week three of the preseason. That should be a lot of fun. It's kind of cool that the Packers are doing that. I, I, I want them to be able to branch out. I want them to go over to uh, England. I know a lot of Packer fans don't really like that and want to just keep it in-house, but um, I think it's important that we you know, build out the fan base a little bit. I know there's a ton of Packer fans out there. It would be nice for them to be able to, to have a game out there and to, to grow the fan base. You know, There's going to be somebody out there who's never been to a game. And that's, you know, when you listen about how did somebody become a Packer fan or this kind of fan or whatever, a lot of times it's something silly or simple. I remember, you know, Lil Wayne, the, the rapper, who was in New Orleans. How did he become a, a Packers fan? Well, the Packers won a Super Bowl in New Orleans, and apparently uh, his dad had from that Super Bowl, like a bunch of Packers cups and everything else, because there's all kinds of, you know, Super Bowl memorabilia. So he grew up in a house with Packers cups and everything else, so he became a Packer fan. So going out to things like that is it's it's important. We need to keep this fan base stoked up. So anyways, I'm going to cut it right there. Got some uh, stuff going on today. You folks, enjoy your uh, Saturday. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.